0: Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast with me, Scott Chaloner. The podcast, just like the Leaders' Council itself, is all about recognising and celebrating the people who keep this country running. We exist to give leaders a voice outside of their own organisation and to support them in the same way that they support their staff every single day of the week. If you are in a leadership position yourself and would like to have your voice heard on the national stage, please go to leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply. Joining me on today's programme on a cool and cloudy day here in the capital is Mary Brown, MBE. Mary is a director at Foyle Women's Aid, a charity based in Derry, Londonderry, Northern Ireland, which seeks to eliminate domestic abuse and sexual violence. Uh, Mary, a very warm welcome to yourself and thank you ever so much for taking the time to join us on the programme. Thank you it's such a pleasure welcoming you onto the Airwaves with us. Um, Normally, at this point in the programme, we dive into the subject of leadership and really bring that into focus. But of course, the major challenge of this year that's dominated pretty much all of the headlines has been COVID-19. So I feel it's appropriate that we start with that. Um, To what extent has it affected you and your charitable work?
1: Um, Well, it has affected us immensely because we've had to we have had to change very quickly how we deliver our services and we had you know we we couldn't close down because our services are very busy we have a high rate of domestic and sexual violence one of the highest rates in northern ireland here in this area so for us we were essential we had to think how we're going to do this and then we had to move very quickly um to make sure to look at every service and look at how we could continue or what strategies we would put in place and what actions we would put in place. Um, so we, we we started to do that very, very quickly, um, you know, just to address um, how were we were going to take care of the families that lived in our accommodation, how were we were going to take care of the families that needed accommodation, and how we you know, what were we were going to do um, in order to make sure we, we did this. Um, Not only in this area, but with my counterparts right across Northern Ireland to make sure that we didn't leave any women and children Mm. out there or behind or at risk
0: that's the thing isn't it because since the um the full lockdown has ended so many charities in your line of work have seen a huge spike in demand for their services as people have been able to get out of the house again and as we're starting to see sort of more and more localized lockdowns and we're heading for quite a tough winter and perhaps um, a second wave judging by what's going on at the moment do you see this being something that is likely to continue for some time yet people needing the services that you provide
1: uh yes, we do. I mean we've we've always we we have never had the proper resources here to deal with the problems we have of domestic violence. So on top of that then we have the the extra um the extra burden of, you know, COVID being another burden. Mm. Um and also the impact on children and young people, and the fact that they were off school and couldn't get to school, and particularly our young people's program, where we had to stop some things and and do things in a different way, and that was very challenging and very worrying for us as well, Um, so we had to do that. But we also found other opportunities within this as well. I mean, the one thing, domestic violence, quite often it's one of those problems that people look away from. Um, Mm. You know, um, we aren't you know, we aren't charities that get a lot of you know, it can be difficult to really make people hear what the issues are but during COVID there was no choice but to pay attention to domestic violence. So whilst it was a difficulty, there were also opportunities for us but it also helped us focus in and what we need for the next lockdown and at our regional level we were able to go um, very focused joint in to get our it systems fixed and you know and get them all up and ready so that we can have better it provisions so that we can continue to zoom and to meet and to have conversations and keep staff working and we did have we achieved if we kept every staff member working and that we delivered services, and that we were quite you know um innovative in how we mm-hmm. did that um, and how we linked them to others to help us as well, because other agencies came around and they started to help us as well, so we're very much an linked in on a, a an interagency basis um and we kept the focus on the client and on you know the women, the children, and the people that depended on us um. So that was very good. And the next wave, it's going to be a bit more challenging because we're actually seeing more COVID cases. in mm. um, the first wave, we kept everybody. There was nobody in our services without COVID. There was nobody. We were able to, in the isolation, we were able to keep everybody safe. This time around, we're already seeing staff go down with COVID. We're already seeing isolation Um and we're all we're experiencing staff you know having difficulties just coping at home working so we have different types of problems but you know we're just um, trying to prepare and be our best I mean the one thing about continuing to have no resources and working in crisis all the time has made us very good at, at changing and being adaptable to crisis so that's something that we just don't have a choice about we've always done it so I think we've achieved on that I will be worried about I do think that we're going to see much more sickness this time around and staff out um, and so we'll have a different sort of a problem to look at the other things are we will look at some of the some of the pluses you know some of the zoom in Um, And some of that um, worked for some women. It helped us reach further women. I mean, during lockdown, we spoke to 25% more women than we do in in normal times. I Zoom in and those types of um, Mm. meetings don't always work for everybody long term, but they could work in the future for some. Um, So we uh, looked at areas where we could change our work And where we could, you know, perhaps use some of the methods that we did work with um, to make us, you know, and say, take some of the good out of the situation and look at how we can develop that to reach more people and to be more versatile um, Mm. and to be always prepared for something like this again.
0: Yes, there are certainly pluses that have come about of it because, um, with regards to the remote side of things, it can help you sort of extend that reach beyond the sort of face to face provision that you were used to. Absolutely right. And can you see that sort of remote provision of services being in place for quite some time to come? The reason I ask that question is because even when we do have hopefully a working vaccine in place be that the spring, be that in a year's time, two years' time um, it's highly likely that even though, of course, it will be sort of a little bit easier for people to venture outside, um, there's still going to be some anxiety over safety. And that's, of course, counterbalanced by the des- the, des- the, des- the desire and the need to, of course, get out of the house environment where abuse is taking place. So it's still going to be difficult to actually reach some people.
1: Um, yes, so we will continue that. And we will look at innovative ways in which we can work with people, you know, um, we will look at what we can put in place. Mm -hmm. Um, One of our strengths has been that we've always kept in touch with, you know, with our clients and we listen to them. So, you know, by listening to them you plan services, you know, that are suitable for them and and we do take on board what the stresses and what the difficulties are and we listen to them and then we come back and try and put together solutions that will help them and work with them as opposed to, you know, creating services mm. that don't work, you know. And the other things are that in terms of our productivity, we can look at what works because even when staff are self-isolating they're still working, we have a very committed staff um, so that they still continue to want to help So. They're not off, they're they're still working and we've managed to to do that, you know, to date. Um, But also we have to look at taking care of those staff as well because this impacts on everybody um, and the isolation Mm -hmm. and for single families, in particular families where their children have been off and at home, that that has had an impact. Um, and where they haven't been able to go to school. You know, it's all of those things. And I think coming out of COVID, we will be having to look at, you know, the impacts of isolation, mm. the impacts of maybe further abuse for families that can't get out. Uh, we set up a crash pad here, um, here in, in Belfast and Ballymena. We, we answered some things to make sure we could get immediate accommodation so nobody was left behind, which was quite successful. We did lots of um, partnership with um, the Northern Ireland Housing Executive and they they accessed lots of properties to make sure that, again, nobody would be left in a domestic violence situation. Mm-hmm. And that was a success um, and direct referral in from the police we're working on here in Northern Ireland. So those are the things that with others that we've addressed, we were able to do regional meetings very quickly on a weekly, two-weekly basis. So we got together and it took an hour. So we didn't have travel. We didn't have all of those arrangements um, that take longer. So I think there's no reason we couldn't adjust um, how we meet and change things to make us more effective and time, time restraints and productive just having quick meetings um, online and through Teams and Zoom. Um they work perfectly well. We don't need to be mm-hmm. always in the room. And let us spend more time in our organisations doing the work that we want to be doing
0: exactly it's all about maximizing that sort of leadership from a distance that collaboration to maximum effect isn't it Um, exactly and um, we've learned so much about that during uh, this crisis that certainly is for sure and as you say of course going forward into the future it's going to be incredibly important to not just of course consider the mental health of those people that utilize your services but also that of staff and everybody connected with them as well because um leadership is ultimately about safeguarding the physical and mental health and well-being of all of those around you as well as also yourself as well because when you are taking on all of this responsibility especially during a crisis sometimes yourself you do have to take a little bit of a step back as well
1: um yes and it is about you know leadership is about you know it is about knowing your keeping your focus knowing and looking at the emerging problems and looking at how you change your style appropriately to what's going on at the time. Um, And I suppose one of the things is how we get our message out there. And we've started to look at our IT about helping, you know, one of the things that we did was we went out there and and, uh, told people, you know, we're still here because a lot of people thought everything's closing down so it wasn't help you know, it was about telling them we're still here. Now it's about how we connect in to um to the people that need our help, how we connect in, get messages to them, how we maybe help support them through the next lockdown, because I do believe it's coming. Um and also how we convey messages to government, to councillors and to people like that about the need to really address this problem, you know, I suppose one of the things that was said is we know who's essential when all of this happens, we knew who we needed and it's maybe about time for governments and those in power to start resourcing the services that are really needed and address that, you know, so that, um, and so my job as a leader along with the other leaders here at Northern Ireland will to be to put this, this problem very squarely on the table, and make sure that we use another method of, you know, media and things like that to get the message across of what's needed to really, you know, deal with the problem in the pandemic and outside of the pandemic as well.
0: Exactly right. It's about taking the lessons from the pandemic and t- using those solutions to apply in future to really solve the problems that have been longstanding in the sector. That's absolutely right. And thinking about the uh, the future now, Mary, just before we do wrap things up, because I am conscious that our time on the programme is beginning to draw to a close. We know that over the course of the next 12 months, it's going to be a challenging time. The new normal will be here to stay for the winter, whether it will be gone by uh, the spring and we'll have a working vaccine. Of course, nobody. Knows at this point in time, but over the course of the next 12 months, um, what is it really that you're hoping to achieve at Foyle Women's Aid and where do you see yourselves being this time in 12 months?
1: Well, um, some of the things is that we have a strategic plan, so you know, we had to deal with the events of COVID, we have to keep on track with our plan of moving ahead with as much as we can. You know, on moving ahead, we have to keep some of those things there what we can do we have to do we have to change some of our activities and we have to preempt. what are the things going to you know what is what are the things that are going to be needed to be done Um, like we planning we're looking at Christmas it's a very big time for us at Christmas it's it's when people all think it's festive and really in the domestic violence world it's, it's where a lot happens so we're already planning now for Christmas, getting everything in, looking how we'll manage families, looking do we need, you know, deciding do we need crash pads again, what do we need, you know, what other problems could come up, how do we keep the young people um, supported, so we're looking at putting online services there for them, looking at training um, programs and things like that just to keep people and looking at linking in with mental health and, you know, looking at um keeping uh things going, you know, and getting through, but not losing sight of our general long term plans for the organization and all of the activities that have to go on ahead outside of the pandemic. Mm. We have to keep all of that organised. So it's going to, you know, it's going to take you know, it's going to take a bit of diversion um, and then bring us back on track. Um, The other thing is then coming out of it as well, we do believe we'll Mm -hmm. have a lot more work and how do we address that? And we're writing funding applications, we're doing a range of works, we're setting up, you know, uh, better, as I said, as I mentioned before, with um, IT systems, looking at making things easier for us to manage. Um, new phone systems, things like that, that that mean that we can just diversify people straight into home and back again and maybe be prepared for lockdowns going up and down and just having staff um, supported to work in that way and just keeping our communication lines going, keeping our regional communication lines going um, and keeping our messages out to the public, just for those who need our services, to let them know that we're here and that we will be here, and that you know we want to be here to continue. Um, and then putting the lines, the IT lines, and the media out there to let others and government know what the issues are, and keeping to meet with um, elected representatives, government to keep them aware of what the needs will be in order to really address this problem um, so that we can, you know, we can reduce the the complications we're going to have coming out of COVID so that if we, we don't want it to pile up, we want people to be heard throughout the COVID and, and deal with it throughout the COVID, not leave it until the end of COVID where it could be then, you know, it could be just mayhem after that. Um, and also... Messages to support them about their health and you know where to go and you know any other ad- advice and links to other other agencies that we can do so that their whole well being is cared for and I think this time we're really focusing on the health and well being um, you know um, of of people and longer lockdowns
0: it's so so important the work that you're doing during this time and indeed both before and after the pandemic um, as well and let us hope that you can continue to do that work unhindered once all of this does blow over and i actually think just given how many variables and uncertainties there still are in this mary and just how enlightening it's been having you join us today i think it would be absolutely fantastic to welcome you back onto the program and catch up at some point in the next year just to see how things are starting to develop what's changed in the time between us. Our- discussions and we can see just how things are getting on behind the scenes at For Your Women's Aid then as well.
1: Absolutely, I would love to and it's a great opportunity for the voice, my voice represents the voice of thousands of women and children mm. that we're working with so it's a great opportunity to come on and talk and and talk about, you know, the, the challenges. But also we have lots of good news stories and we're going to try and bring them out this mm. year because we've had lots of successes. And it's important to remember that we, that we do that as well so that people are aware that once there is help and we can turn the things around.
0: We certainly can turn things around and that positivity is so essential and so infectious during this time. Uh, Mary, it's been such a pleasure having you on the programme with us today and most importantly, do take care and do stay safe with everything that's still going on. And that is extended to everybody associated with FOIL Women's Aid as well.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: I'd also like to reiterate that message to every single one of the listeners tuning into this today. Do please stay well, look after yourselves and be considerate of others because it does make such a difference in saving lives. It was a pleasure for me to welcome Mary Brown MBE Director at Foyle Women's Aid onto today's programme. Coming up next on the show today, we'll be joined by Matthew O'Neill for his exclusive interview with former Education Secretary and incumbent Leaders' Council Chairman Lord Blunkett, who enjoyed a distinguished political career despite being blind from birth. Lord Blunkett held numerous senior positions in the cabinet of Tony Blair during his premiership and served as the MP for the Sheffield, Brightside and Hillsborough constituency for 28 years. He has been a member of Parliament's Upper House since August 2015 and I do hope that you all enjoy listening just as much as Matthew relished the opportunity to speak with him. All of that will be coming up next.
2: Lord Blunkett, welcome.
3: Thank you very much. It's very good to be with you.